Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org, or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Well, this morning, uh, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in over the past uh, month or so um, that's entitled Holiness, as you see on the screen behind me, in the world but not of the world. And so we've been learning what holiness is, what holiness isn't, um, why we should even care about that at all, right? And we've learned that holiness is about separating ourselves from sin and um, sin and, 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 and profaneness and all of that, and being set apart unto the Lord. And so if we've learned about this, and we've talked a lot of kind of theory, um, what does this mean for us practically? As we know, and we've talked about this, the scripture says that we are to be holy as God is holy, and so we are to be set apart just as as he is holy and he is set apart, what does that mean for us? How do we put this into practice? How should this actually affect our life? How can we live holy lives? Well, I came across a video. Um, some of you might recognize this. I showed this years and years and years ago um, about one way uh, that some people live this out. So I want, to, want you to watch this video. It's kind of a little commercial, if you will, um, just watch this, then we'll talk about it a little bit. Mom, where's Timmy? He's gone to be with the Lord. He's dead? No, silly. He and his family have moved to Bubble Creek Canyon. Do you dream of a day when you can drive to work without being forced to look at unchristian billboards and bumper stickers? When you can turn on the radio without hearing the electric guitar or some other horrible instrument of the devil? When you don't have to interact with bozos who have the audacity to disagree with you? Well, at Bubble Creek Canyon, your dreams can come true. Hello. Or as we like to say at Bubble Creek Canyon, heaven out. Bubble Creek Canyon is an isolated community nestled in 3,500 acres of magnificent and desirable real estate. Best of all, it's 100% heathen free. That's right, and you'll think it's the next best thing to heaven. At Bubble Creek Canyon, we use an elaborate screening process to ensure that our residents completely agree with our doctrine. No ifs, ands, or Buddhists. We're a heavily gated community with fantastic facilities, breathtaking sight lines, and Christianized amenities. We have a Christian shoe store, a Christian t-shirt store, a Christian underwear store, a Christian bank, Christian grocery, Christian car dealership, Christian pet store, Christian liquor store, and a Christian tattoo parlor. Temporary, of course. We have a nationally recognized school district and only one textbook. We also think you're going to like our library. How'd this filth get in here? the BCC Cinema, you can watch all the latest movies without worrying about the questionable content, because we removed it all. 
Every home comes with a spacious backyard with plenty of room for an optional baptism pool. Hey, pin the ear on the high priest soldier. One of my personal favorites. And each home comes equipped with built-in Christian signage. Just try to pull this off the wall. With our combination cable and internet package, you'll have access to ES Pray In, My Heavenly Space, God Tunes, Godopedia, God Gold, God Bay, Godcast, and The Sopranos. Every morning, a copy of our community paper will be delivered to your doorstep. And our publication is committed to protecting you from all that unpalatable bad news that's always happening around the world. Our landscaping company, Holy Ground, will make sure that your front yard is always impeccably manicured. We've added a new feature this year. Around the holidays, special sensors in the streetlights detect non-nativity ornamentation and act quickly to eliminate these unsightly eyesores. Bubble Creek Canyon, if God wasn't omnipresent, he'd probably live here. <laughs> Sign you up? Is that his... <laughs> Oh, listen, um, I have a simple question. Is that how the Lord intends for us to live this out? No, not at all, right? Um, that's not what holiness is all about. Um, not at all. And uh, I'm glad you recognize that. So friends, let's look in our text today. In John, we're going to be in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17 um, is, is the real Lord's Prayer. You know, there's a prayer in Matthew that's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's where Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. Here is where Jesus is, is praying, and he's praying for, for us um, and his disciples. And so we're going to pick up here in the middle of this, this prayer in John chapter 17. And I want you to look at what Jesus says in verse 15, because I believe it applies to exactly what we're talking about. Because many people think... That holiness, man, I, I want to, and when we start to achieve or think of some holiness, we think that the best thing for us is that we need to be separated from everything in the world. But look at what Jesus says in verse 15. He says this. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So here's Jesus praying to the Father, and he says, talking about his disciples, the original, and I believe this applies to us as well. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So Jesus is not praying for the Father to take us or to make us into a commune like Bubble Creek Canyon, right? But what does he say? He says, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So friends, Jesus is praying. Jesus understands that it even the, with all the evil and all the bad stuff in the world, his goal for us is not for us to be removed from all that. One day we will be, amen? And one day we'll be in heaven, and one day there won't be any of that. But this is not that day, amen? And so it is not for us as Christians. See, what happens, I believe, many times is we get saved, and we begin to work, and, and God begins to work on us, and we begin to grow in him, and then we begin to separate ourselves from the very world in which he's called us to go. And that's a problem. He do, Jesus doesn't pray that we would do that. Jesus prays instead that God the Father would keep us from the evil one. 
that, that he would preserve us from the influences and the temptations and the entrapments of the devil. So, as we think about this in the context of what we've been talking about, what is holiness, being separate from sin and being set apart under the Lord, what does this mean for how we are to practically live out being holy and separate in the world in which we live? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Friends, I believe what Jesus says here helps us uh, to understand the dichotomy in which we are supposed to live. Look at number one. And I want to, very simple, we got two points this morning, right? With a lot of sub points, okay? Two main points this morning. On the one hand, number one, here's the dichotomy, the first part of it. On, number one, on the, on the one hand, we must seek to avoid the entrapments of the world, Right? God calls us to be holy, and that means that he wants us to live a pure life. Listen, we know we must live in the world today. We just saw that. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So we must live in the world, but Christ also calls us not to be what? Of the world. So we need to live in the world, but he calls us, uh, we are not to be of the world. We are to be separate. Set apart unto the Lord, pure and holy unto him. But how do we do that? What does that look like? So what Jesus says here in verse 15, again, he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So he doesn't want us out of the world. He wants us to remain in the world. We'll come back to that here just a little bit. But there are evil influences in the world, right? There's a, 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 a lot of stuff uh, that, that is going on. Satan is going to do everything he can, as we talked about last week, to entice us, to lure us in, to, uh, to draw us into sin and away from God. Look at this verse on the screen with me, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a little bit, but, but we live in the midst of a spiritual battle in which the devil is trying to lure us into sin and away from God. And so we need to know that he's, that he's doing that, right? And when we don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm, then we are more susceptible to those things because we're not prepared for them. We need to know that. We need to be aware of that. And we need to prepare for it in order, in order to avoid those enticements and entrapments of the world that so easily ensnare us and that Satan tempts us with, and so that instead we can be separate and set apart unto the Lord. And why? Let's look at verse 16. Why are we to do this? Because he says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Friends, we have a different nature. Amen? When we're saved, when we've, we've become a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And so Jesus has placed his spirit in us. And so our nature is not of the world, but we are, our minds are, should be set on heavenly things. Amen? Therefore, we strive to live a clean and pure, set-apart life and to be different from the world. See, we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, 
Jesus, we are given Jesus's righteousness. It's called imputed righteousness. Um, I am not righteous on my own, of my own merit. Can I, can I get an amen? Amen? And neither are you, right? And we never can be. On our own, we can never be completely holy. We can never be completely righteous. And so that's why we have to understand, we have to admit that. We say, God, I realize, I know that I'm a sinner, and my sin separates me from you. And so when we put our faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross in dying for our sin, paying the punishment for us, we are given Christ's righteousness. And he clothes us with that. And so the Father sees us, even though we're sinners, as if we've never sinned. It is at that point when we've trusted Christ as our Savior and we're clothed in his righteousness that God begins a process in us. His Holy Spirit that he places in us is put there for a reason. And that is to continually sanctify us. We use a big word, we call it sanctification, right? In which we are continually being set apart unto the Lord. And here's how that works. It is the fact of that as, as God points out things in my life, that shouldn't be there, that I agree with that. God, you know what? You're right. It shouldn't be there. And I confess that to him. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I turn from that, and I turn to Christ. And so God begins to peel off the layers of our life, as Phil and I like to talk about, like an onion. And so as we grow in Christ, God peels off these layers, and we begin to um, become more and more like Christ. Here's the problem. Sometimes along the way, we don't end up living out the pure life that God desires for us. Amen? Sometimes we get caught up in the entrapments of life. Um, I wish it was just an automatic process where we are declared righteous, then, then we, we don't have any problems and we just automatically just keep going, right? But but. We're living in this world. And that, that process of sanctification sometimes can be a painful one. Amen? So what, what, what do we do? What is our responsibility? How, how, how do we avoid the entrapments of the world? What does God want for us to do in that process? I want to give you four things this morning. Four ways that we can cooperate with God in this and we can avoid the entrapments of the world. Number one. We talked about this last week, uh, and uh, man, I thought about combining these two, but you can imagine, take last week and this week, could have been really too big of a sermon. Um, but it's this, avoid loving the world. Avoid loving the world. We talked about this last week, friends, but um, we need to not get too attached to the world, right? What does 1 John chapter 2.15 say? I saw this last week, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? It goes on to say, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is what? Of the world. It's of the world. So we shouldn't love all those things. we got all these enticements out there, and the devil puts them out there, and, and they look so good. But there's a hook in them. And so, friends, we need to realize that. We need to understand that. 
And we need to set our affection on God and not all of those things that end up being temporary, end up having a hook in them, end up leading us down a road that is a dead-end road that's not, and we need to not allow those things to, to grab our attention, and we need to set our affection on Jesus. Amen? Set our affections, as Paul writes, on things above, not on things below. Stop loving the world. Number two, if you want more about that, Check out last week's sermon if you weren't here. Number two, friends, it's this. Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Amen? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 with me, if you will. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How do we do that? Here he tells us. Put on the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God, right? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the trickery, the schemings of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Friends, Paul um, takes the armor of the Roman soldier, and he makes an analogy here. And he says, as soldiers in the kingdom of God, as soldiers in Jesus' army, we need to put on the armor of God. And he begins to take it piece by piece and describing how we can arm ourselves against uh, the devil and what he's trying to do to us. We need the belt of truth. Amen? We need to know what's true and know what's false. We need the helmet of salvation. We need to know whose we are. Amen? And know that the devil, can't, the devil can't take that salvation away from us because it's in Christ and he did that for us. We need the, uh, uh, the breastplate of righteousness I talked about just a minute ago. That righteousness that is given to us in Christ because it is his righteousness, it is impenetrable. We need the shield of faith to quench those darts of the evil one. We need the shoes of the gospel and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We'll come back to that here in just a minute, friends. But it is this armor of God. And we're going to go, as we're going to talk about this morning, into the world to, 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 to do what Christ has called us to do. Then we need the armor of God on. Amen? So that we don't come out looking like the world. Stop loving the world. Put on the armor of God. The third thing I want to encourage you to do, friends, is this. It's to guard against sinful influences in the world. We're going to spend a little bit of time here on this, but guard against the sinful influences in the world. They're all around us, aren't they? On the TV, on our phones, social media. Friends' advice, right? Oprah. Dr. Phil, <laughs> it's all around us. Uh, when I say uh, sinful influences, that's anything that's not the Lord speaking to us, right? And we need to watch what goes into our hearts and minds. Romans chapter 12 begins with an urging to, 
Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, right? Holy, holy, right? Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says this. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Here's the deal, friends. The world will try to conform you to its mold and its thinking and its philosophy. The world wants you to think like the world. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's crucial. It's crucial that we need to allow our minds not to think like the world, but to think like Christ. We'll come back to that here in just a minute. So we're talking about guarding against the sinful influences of the world. Uh, Psalm chapter 103, excuse me, 101, verses 3 and 4. King David writes this. He says, I will set nothing before, wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Now, this is one thing, and maybe we think about King David, and we think about that he was a man after God's own heart, but I want you to remember where King David came from and what King David fell prey to. He didn't have the Internet. He didn't have magazines of pornography, but he had a rooftop and Bathsheba on another one. Friends, the sinful heart will find ways. So here David says this, I will not, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. David had learned to guard what he looks at. David had learned to guard his heart and friends, we'll talk a little bit more about this, friends, uh, in just a minute. But we need to be careful to guard our hearts too. Listen, um, those things can't make us sin, but they can lead us down a wrong road. Amen? So we need to guard our hearts and guard our minds and sink after purity. The potential influence of the world over us is enormous. I want to ask you just a couple of questions. I want to get real in your business for just a minute, okay? All right, don't get mad at me for this. Because I think we all need to ask these questions. Um, what would Jesus think of your favorite TV show? Um, would you take Jesus to that movie? If you were sitting there next to him, cover your eyes, Jesus. Um, what about the things that you linger a little too long on on social media or on your feed? Friends, I, I, I say this, number one, to realize that it's so easy for the world to draw us in before we know it. Amen? And I think the question we need to ask is this. Are any of these things influencing us in a way that is displeasing to God? Now, the question that you may be asking is, okay, pastor, so are you saying that we should avoid all that stuff? Pastor, do I need to throw my phone away? Pastor, do I need to not go to any movies? Or do I need to not, not listen to uh, secular music or any of that stuff? Friends, um, 
No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I believe that some of those things can actually, um, can, can be a great amount of good come from some of those things. But we need to be able to understand the difference between the form and the content. Just because the content is bad doesn't mean the form is bad. Amen? Just because most TV shows or a lot of TV shows have stuff that we shouldn't be watching doesn't mean that all of them do. Just because a lot of movies have things that we really shouldn't want to be a part of doesn't mean all of them do. And so we need to learn to be discerning. Amen? What makes something a sinful influence? Is it the form or is it the content? It's the content, right? Is, is, that, is it laden with bad language? Is it laden with um, sexual innuendos? Is it laden with immorality? Does it teach, what does it teach? Does it teach self-centeredness or others-centeredness? Does it teach ethical or unethical behavior? Listen, some of those things we need to be careful about. Amen? We need to be careful about how they influence us. But we can't just throw out the, ba the, the baby with the bathwater. Um, we live in a world, and if we separate ourselves um, from everything in the world, then we become unable to reach the world. And so this is a hard dynamic we live in. Amen? It's a hard time to be in the world but not of the world. Friends, the bottom line is this. We need to be discerning about the things that we allow our minds to hear and to see. And we need to be able to identify it. Okay, now that I've gotten in your business, let's be real for just a minute, okay? You can't avoid all of it, amen? You just can't. Um, there's billboards. They're saying, now, we, we, can, we can avoid lingering on it. We can avoid, but you can't avoid all of it. So how do we deal in this world? We have to be discerning, amen? We have to be, um, have some personal, protect, some, some personal convictions and put them in place about how we're going to uh, live in, in the world that we live in. And let me just encourage you something, parents. Our temptation is to want to keep our kids from all of the world until they reach adulthood, right? Whatever you want to call that, 18? 30, there you go. Don't, don't, don't get me started on how I want to define adulthood. Um, but I understand when you're that age, you think, hey, I'm grown, I'm an adult. I can, let's find, go to war and I can vote, then I can do whatever, right? <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's what I want to just, I want to, I want to be, beware you of, okay? Be careful of. Um, be careful of sheltering your kids so much that they don't see anything until they're 18. Because then, all of a sudden, they're out on their own, and there's the world and everything with it, and you haven't had the opportunity to, to help them and teach them. And, and so I'm not saying this is easy, parents, and I'm not saying, I'm not telling you exactly what to do. What I am saying is we need to begin to let the leash out while they're still in our home so that we can help them when they encounter the world, so that we can teach them to identify 
what they should be watching and what they shouldn't be watching, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And guess what, parents? They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make wrong choices. Let me remind you, just like you did. Mm, We forget those things, don't we? Oh, if our kids only knew what we were like when we were teenagers. We were teenagers once, right? And so, friends, what I'm trying to tell you is, both for us and for our kids, we need to learn how to be discerning. We need to learn how to filter things through this. And that's not always easy. And we can't separate ourselves completely from the world because Christ calls us to go into the world. But the different, being different that I'm talking about is being of a different quality, even so that, you know what, I can identify that bad word. And it's not that it's going to hurt my ears, but it is offensive to me. Not that, uh, listen, somebody says a bad word in front of me. I've had people, many of y'all know I used to hang wallpaper years ago. I had a, a designer one time, he had a filthy mouth. Um, I mean, just every word you'd think of, he had it. And uh, sometimes um, I would go into a house to do some wallpaper, and he would be in there. I remember one time I was in the kitchen doing some wallpaper, and I heard him talking to somebody else in the other part of the house, and, you know, he was letting every other word was some kind of filthy word and whatever. And all of a sudden, when he came in the kitchen, he said to the guy, he said, oh, oh, watch your language, the reverend's here. <laughs> and I said, listen, you don't need to worry about what you say in front of me. You need to worry about what you say in front of God. And so I don't take that as a personal offense. Listen, those who are in the world are going to act like the world. And they're going to talk like the world, and they're going to live like the world. Why, should, why do we expect them to live like Christians if they don't know Christ? And so I don't, I don't treat them any different. He and I became good friends. I witnessed to him and tried to talk to him about the Lord. Um, but here's the thing. Our quality, uh, and I say that, and I don't know if quality is the exact word I mean, but the, the type of person we are should be such that we are different and others know it. And we become a good testimony for the Lord in that. Doesn't mean, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not going to call out somebody on their language and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I want to see them come to Christ and let God change all of that in them. And he will. Let's worry about their salvation and let God worry about cleaning them up. Amen? Okay, that was a little bit of a diversion, but we're going to keep going. Um, listen, we've talked about how we should avoid sinful influences, right? Now, uh, but let me ask you this. Are worldly influences what keeps us from being good people? Think about that before you answer. Are worldly influences what keeps us from being good people and living holy lives? No. If, if, If it was, then Bubble Creek Canyon is where we all should go. Amen? If, if that's what, if God calls us to be holy, and if removing ourselves from the worldly influences it would keep us, then Bubble Creek Canyon is where we should be. Friends, listen, we'd have all our problems solved. I want you to look at this verse in Matthew chapter 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus is speaking about the Pharisees, and, and to the Pharisees, really. And he says this. 
He's talking about really... Um, He's talking about the dietary laws and all that kind of stuff, but, man, this applies in so many different ways. He says, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. So, if we think, the word defile is to, to, to make us sinful, to make us unclean. There's nothing that enters a man from outside that can defile him, that can make us unclean. Okay, so we need to understand that. It can't make us sinful. You've heard the old, you know, the old thing, this was for some of you old timers, right? Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it, right? Okay, devil doesn't make you do anything. The devil tempts you, he draws you, he seeks to influence you. So can those worldly things influence us? Yeah, absolutely, you bet, right? Can, does the worldly things, can those lead us down a wrong path? Yes. Absolutely they can. But listen, they don't make us, they don't make us do anything. Then, then where does it come from? Well, look at the second part of the verse. What does it say? But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Until we realize and accept and admit that our defilement, our uncleanness, our sin is our own fault. That it comes out of us. I am a man of unclean lips, as Isaiah says. It's not a, oops, I let it slip. No, that comes out of our heart. And we need to realize that. And what we need is for Jesus to change our heart. Amen? Listen, you can put a group of 10 people, 100 people, whatever, on an isolated island with no worldly influences, and guess what? Sin will still be prevalent if they are not living a life set apart to God through Christ. And even so, there's probably going to be some problems. Amen? Why? Because sin is bound up in the heart. And only Jesus can change that, friends. So we need to understand, worldly influences cannot make us sin, but they do influence us to sin. They do make it more difficult for us to resist and avoid sin in our lives, and they can provide greater temptation, friends. So do we need to guard against sinful influences in our life? Absolutely we do. We just need to understand they are not what may, is, that's not where the sin comes from. The sin that we commit comes from inside. Number four. Friends, if we're going to seek to avoid the entrapments of the world, if we're going to seek to live a pure life, we need to avoid loving the world. We need to put on the armor of God. We need to guard against sinful influences of the world. And the fourth, friends, is we need to get in the word. We need to get in the word. Go back to John chapter 17. Verse 17 says this. Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. We've been talking about the word sanctify, right? It means be separate from sin, set apart unto the Lord. Sanctified. The word holy comes from that same root. Sanctification. So if we are to be sanctified, how are we to be sanctified? He prays here for God to sanctify us by, by the truth, by his truth. And if, in case we don't understand what that is, he goes on to say, your word is truth. So friends, what 
is it that works to purify us? How do we become more and more set apart and separate from sin and holy unto the Lord? It's by getting in the Word of God. Amen? And letting the Word of God get into us. Once we are saved, friends, it is what will continue to transform us so that our minds are not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at verse 19. We'll come back to 18 in a minute. Verse 19 says, And for their sakes, Jesus says, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So the word works on us, but before that, we got to first, Jesus set himself apart. Really, I believe what he's talking about here is to go to the cross, right? He is committing himself, consecrating himself, dedicating himself to the, what the Father says must be done, and that is for him to go to the cross. And it is through that that we are sanctified, that we are set apart, and we are continually set apart by his word. So how do we become more and more set apart? First of all, it's through Christ, by what he did on the cross for us, and then it's by getting into his word and letting the word work on us. Friends, the more we study God's word and the more we apply it to our life, the less we will have in common with the world. Amen? Listen, think about this. How much during the week does the world, do we have for the world to influence us with all the things we come in contact with? And if we're only in God's word this one hour a week, we're expecting that to counteract all of that? We need to be in the Word. Amen? Listen, if we'll get in the Word, then the Word will transform us. The, the Word will transform our desires. We won't have the same desires. We won't have the same priorities. We won't get excited about the same things as the world gets excited about. And here's the deal. It may even get to the point where, where we would rather move off to Bubble Creek Canyon to get away from all those sinful influences of the world. I get that. I understand that. There's an element of Bubble Creek Canyon which is attractive to us. Why? Because we look forward to heaven. Amen? But it's not, we're not, it's not time for that yet. Friends, we need to remember that God's word calls us not just to be holy and set apart and separate from sin, friends, but it also calls us to something else. And that leads us to number two, the second part of, our, of the dichotomy that we live in. Yes, we should avoid, number one, the entrapments of the world. The second, friends, we must and we have to engage our world with the gospel as well. Yes, we must not be of the world, but we also are called to be and live and go into the world. Look at what Jesus says in verse 18. Jesus says, very simply, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So friends, how are we as Christ followers to respond to this culture that attacks everything that we stand for? Are we, uh, does Jesus call us to hunker down in fear? Does Jesus call us to hunker down in preservation? Does Jesus call us to, to isolate ourselves from the world in an attempt to, to keep ourselves from the bad influences? No! He calls us to intentionally and actively go into the world and engage the culture around us so that he might redeem it. We are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. Jesus says here in verse 18 that he is sending us into the world. 
for the same purpose he was sent in the world. As, just like you sent me into the world, he says to the Father, I also send, send them into the world. What is that purpose? Why did Jesus come? Luke 19 tells us, doesn't it? Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came for one purpose. That is to redeem mankind. To save us from our sin. To reconcile us with himself and with the Father. Friends, so if we're going to do that, we can't isolate ourselves from the culture. Amen? We must engage the culture. We must go where the people are. We must interact with them, get to know them, find out what they're about so that we can reach them. But friends, here's the question. How? How do we engage a culture that is so perverse and so self-centered? How do we reach a world that is so worldly without becoming worldly ourselves? We've already talked about that somewhat, but I want to give you five encouragements. Five ways in which we can do that. Number one. We must be able to distinguish between the sin and the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Amen? Does God hate sin? Yes, absolutely he does. He, he, he's a holy God. He is set apart from all that is profane. But let me ask you something. Does God love the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen? So friends, if God loves the world, even though he hates sin, we need to love the world as well. He calls us to do that. Yes, he calls us to be separate from sin, but he calls us to love the world and to go in and preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. So friends, in order to do that, we have to distinguish between the sin and the sinner and realize that there are many sinners that are caught up in sin. But so were we. Number two, not only do we need to be able to distinguish between the sin and the sinner, friends, we must seek to be culturally relevant without compromising God's word or God's character or God's standards. We need to be able to relate to people today and where, and where they're at. We need to be able to meet them where they are, understand their needs, their problems, their situations. Too many people say that the Bible is not relevant to today. Too many people say that, that, that the Bible doesn't speak to the things that are excuse me, going on in our world today. Friends, it does, and it is. And we need to help people see that. Um, we talked a little bit about the methods in the world. And throughout history, I don't know, uh, especially American history, I believe Christians have, have shied away from, some, from newer methods. But friends, we need to be willing to change our methods, just not our message. The message never changes. Our methods must. We need to be able to use technology. Um, we need to be able to use new methods of communication. Uh, or, or we're, or we're going to be seen as dinosaurs. And so we use the methods, we don't change the message. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all means I might save some. 
But to the weak, I became as the weak, he said. To the Jew, as to the Jew. To the Gentile, as to the Gentile. All of those things, friends. Paul was willing to, to become whatever he needed to, as long as he's not compromising the word of God in order to reach people. Number three, we must be willing to lovingly challenge others with the truth. Must be willing to lovingly challenge others with the truth. Friends, people are searching for the truth. They just, many of them just don't know it. Um, so we must look for ways to share it with them. We must look for ways in which they're hurting and look for ways in which we can share the good news of the gospel at work, at home sometimes, um, at school, in our neighborhoods, in the marketplace, wherever it is, friends, we need to be walking around with our eyes open, asking God, praying for God to, to give us opportunities, right? Lord, lead me to those you want me to share with. Lord, and, and here's another thing to add to that. I'd say, Lord, open my eyes that I won't be in my own little world and that I'll notice those around me that, 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 that are hurting. And then pray for boldness. Do you know the Apostle Paul prayed for boldness? He prayed to be, you know, asked the Colossians, pray for me that I will be bold and speak what I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul prayed for that. If Paul can pray for it, I think we can. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. But of love, power and of love and of a sound mind. Friends, um, let's act accordingly. Amen? Let me give you a great opportunity. We're going this morning. Uh, I sent out an email, a couple emails this week. Um, after church, we meet with whoever wants in the back, um, the back rooms, Sunday school rooms here. We're going to begin a ministry that's really going to be a simple way to, to start engaging in this. Uh, I'm calling it uh, community prayer warriors, and uh, we're going to simply go out and 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 pray for our community. And, and engage if we get opportunity, but mainly just pray. This is, this is pre-work. This is tilling the ground and praying for our community. We have a prayer team. They already pray for our community. But we're going to go out. We're going to pray for houses specifically. And then we're just going to leave something on their door that says, hey, we prayed for you. And we're going to see how God might work. I would encourage you to be a part of that. It's a very easy first step of a way to start getting involved and engaging the world around you. Um, but we've got to be willing to challenge it. We've got to be willing to share our faith. It's not just for you. Amen? Number four. Friends, we must be genuine. We must be genuine. The world wants to see authenticity. Many, many in the church today, many Christians today look the part. But you know, they may look the part, but then they don't act the part. On the outside, they appear godly, maybe even expect the same of others, but on the inside, that same person will take advantage of, of someone, uh, of people in their business. Or that same person will be unethical in their, in, their, uh, in their dealings or cheat on their spouse. Friends, listen, if there's one thing the world hates, listen, the world doesn't hate sin, but you know what the world does hate? Hypocrisy. And so we need to be genuine. The world is just looking, don't, try, don't pretend to be somebody that you're not. 
You know, that's why, you know, anytime you're pointing a finger at somebody else, there's four coming back at you. And so we just very simply need to be willing to admit that not only are you a sinner, but so am I. And what Christ did is for all of us. So be genuine. Here's number five. We must be willing to step outside of our comfort zone in order to reach others for Christ. We have this little, our, we get routines, don't we? Do you have a routine? We get routines in our routines, and, and, and we don't like to go outside of those routines. And we don't like to change those things. And, and, and sometimes, friends, we just, we get comfortable. And we don't want to do anything. I, well, you know what? I'm just not comfortable doing that. If that's your answer, then Jesus probably wants you to do that. Because he calls us to get outside of our comfort zones. Um, in fact, if you're not, um, you've probably never really exercised your faith. The world's messy, amen? The world's messy, and then when we get, go into the world, we're going to maybe get a little messy too. That's okay. As long as we keep that on the outside, Amen? We're going to have to rub up against some stuff in the world. Guess what? It's all right. It's going to get you outside of your comfort zone. You may, you know, God may be calling you to, to, to walk across the street and talk to, talk to that person across the street. God may be, may be, may be calling you to, 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 to get up and talk to that person a couple cubicles down from you or that person in the office down the hall to reach out to them. You know they're going through some stuff. You know that family across the street from you. you. Maybe it's a cousin of yours that you know they have, they don't want anything to do with God. But man, are they going through some stuff. How could you reach out to them? How could you minister to them? Well, how would God have you to love them? They might open some doors to being able to give them what they really need. That's the Savior of the world. Um, how many of you have been wondering what I have here in the bag? In this trash bag. I know some of you have been wondering what I have here in the trash bag. Right? Um, well, I thought I made it easy to get into. Um, I hate to disappoint you, but what I have here in the trash bag is trash. <laughs> it's trash. And um, I, I emptied a couple of our trash cans, including the kitchen trash can. You know, in the kitchen trash can, it's always the nastiest, right? It's always the nastiest and stuff because it's got old food in it and stuff. And I'm looking down at some of the things we ate this past week, and it's not good. And so the reason I brought this bag of trash, um, beginning to smell a little bit, um, is to remind us of the world. The world's messy. Um, there's unpleasant things in the world. But Christ still calls us to go into the world. Amen? He calls us to go in. Now, if I continue to do this, what's going to happen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, yeah, I'm going to get icky and sticky. That's right. I'm going to get messy. Okay? Now, let me say this up front. No illustration is perfect. 
Okay, please understand that. This was not a perfect illustration. But before we go into the world, Christ calls us to go into the world. And we don't need to be worried about getting physically dirty because that's going to happen. But friends, I won't let these gloves represent... I don't know that I need both of them on, but we got to what? We got to put on the armor of God. Amen? We need to get in the word. Put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. We need to be prayed up. And we need to um, let the Holy Spirit be working in our heart and in our life. And then, and only then, can we go into the world. And we begin to, we begin to work around in the world to see what God wants us to do. And who in the world wants us? God wants to use us to reach. Friends, we need to avoid the entrapments of the world. But we are called to go into and engage the world. Let's not fall short on either end. Amen? Friends, where are you? Are you willing to be holy unto the Lord, separate from sin, set apart unto Him, friends, set apart for His use to go into the world? Which side of that coin have you tended to err on? Let's hold them both up. Amen? Let's be holy and set apart. But I believe that holiness is for a reason, as we talked about out of 2 Peter, to we are his chosen people. We are called to be a holy nation set apart unto him to go into the world. Who does Christ want you to reach out to this week? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we just, we admit and acknowledge, Lord, that we have fallen short. Lord, many times we've become, in our efforts to reach the world, we've become too much like the world. And Lord, sometimes in our efforts at being holy, we neglect the world. Lord, help us to remain pure in you, to remain holy and set apart so that we can be a beautiful light and testimony to go into the world and penetrate the darkness. Friend, as you're here this morning, where do you need to ask God to forgive you? Where have you erred? Is it, Lord, I've not... I've not sought to be holy in your eyes. I've not sought to be separate from the world. To be pure, to be, to be different. Lord, forgive me for the influences that I've allowed to draw me in. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. Lead, guide, and direct me each and every day. Or maybe, Lord, I've tried to be so pure that I've separated myself from the very world in which you died for. Are you grateful for your own salvation? Grateful how others reached out to you? How does God want to use you in the same way? Would you commit? 
Would you consecrate yourself? Would you say, Lord, set me apart to do the very thing, this very thing that you've called us to do? I will, Lord. As God said to Isaiah, who will go for us? Isaiah said, here I am. Send me, Lord. Lord, take us, use us, Lord. Whether that's going across the street, down the hall, across the world. Lord, call us out for your purposes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.